0: So whose robes are you wearing this morning? You say, well, I'm wearing the same robes that I wear every Sunday morning, Brad. Or I'm wearing the same clothes that my parents said I had to wear this morning. Uh, And that may be true, uh, but if you were with us uh, last week in Exodus 28, you can guess that I'm not talking about the physical clothes that we are wearing, but the spiritual garments. And there are really only two options when it comes to this. Uh, We can be wearing the, the rags of sin, filthy rags of our own righteousness. I can never gain an audience with the King. I can never be reconciled to God. Or by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be robed in His righteousness. His perfect life credited to us. His sacrifice, His death on our behalf. By faith, we're united to Jesus and that then we're appropriately dressed to come before uh, the king and His holiness and the glory of our God. Uh, so if you have no idea what I just said, and I look forward to some further uh, conversations, uh, follow- up on that, even after uh, listening to what we're going to look at this morning in Exodus 29. His garments. For glory and beauty, they, they've been described, but the priests, so Aaron as the high priest and his sons as the priests, they're not priests yet. Um, just putting on these clothes, these fancy garments, didn't make them priests. There was a week long ceremony that included some specific rituals uh, that would ultimately set them apart to serve uh, the Lord. And this this whole idea, uh, this ceremony that sets someone or something apart, for a unique service to the Lord, that's not foreign to us. We get this. In fact, it was just over two years ago. Then, uh, here at Trinity, we had a ceremony, okay, a service, uh, where a unique charge was given to me. A unique charge was given to you as the congregation, and and the the, the, the elders gathered in a circle, placing their hands and praying, setting apart uh, for a unique work in the church. So we get to Exodus 29, at least through verse 35 of Exodus 29, God's laying out an ordination service for the priests, specific things that were required of them or for them uh, to effect this change in status and enable them uh, to serve the Lord at the tabernacle. So I want us to look at this liturgy in Exodus 29. I kind of refer to it as a story because it really is the, the story of ordination. What had to happen here? Uh, and how that so beautifully captures uh, the story of our salvation, um, what, it, what it means specifically for us. The story of ordination, the story of salvation is what we're going to look at. And there are four main parts, four main rituals that we'll look at together. And you can uh, follow along with me. I'm going to read the first nine verses here of Exodus 29. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests, Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket, and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his son to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breast piece, gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head, and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil, and pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons, and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes, and bind caps on them. And the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Let's pray together as we look at this passage. Lord God, we do thank you for your word to us. We thank you that you have not left your people to guess, to figure out how to to try and figure out how to worship you and serve you. For you are the Holy One in their midst. You are the Holy One in our midst. and Lord, you show us how to worship you. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us now as we sit under the instruction of your word that you would build us up, encourage us, help us to understand and apply this passage faithfully. We know that you will do this. We ask you to do this by your grace in Christ. Amen. So the Lord opens this instruction by sharing with Moses all of the materials that are needed for this ordination service. The bread, the oil, the animals, uh, the preparation that's going to go into Uh, this consecration or ordination of the priests and those terms are used very uh, closely in this passage but the emphasis here and on all that will follow is on holiness Aaron and his sons were to be set apart as holy their role their service was before the face of the holy one himself Without going into into great detail here, we can learn from this this first portion of the Scriptures, these first books of the Bible, specifically Leviticus, that there are three ritual states, states of, of purity among the people of Israel that really affected their relationships and affected their worship. There was an unclean or impure state, clean, pure, and then Holy the priests required this highest state of purity, holiness. We've seen how the garments uh, last week were to to reinforce this, um, which they put on as a part of this service. But The the very first ritual is the actual washing at the entrance to the tent of meeting there in verse 4, which is different than the regular washing of the hands and feet that would happen at the Bronze Basin. That was a part of, of their service. But this was a full bath. Hey, maybe you had to take a bath yesterday or a shower yesterday or this morning before coming to worship. Complete cleansing before the Lord. Cleansing on the outside to show the cleansing that was needed on the inside, the removal of sin. So, not until after they were washed were they robed in these uh, special garments. And this is the second stage, second, you know. Element of the story here, second part of this liturgy, robed in these elaborate garments, robed for glory and beauty. The high priest is going to represent the people before the king, before his majesty. He must be appropriately dressed. And remember, with this with this garment, the pre the, the priest carried the people with him. I mean, literally, on those, with those stones on his shoulders and on the breast piece. Through the priest, it was the people that were going into the presence of the Lord. The people themselves that were actually praying, confessing, offering sacrifices and feasting. And this representative was to be holy, not just outwardly, but inwardly. Holy of the heart. You may remember in that gold band that was around the turban, holy to the Lord, it read. And that's something that was unique to Uh, The high priest, his sons, the priests, did not have that specific part of the turban. But the next part of the service in verse 7, you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Chapter 30 tells us about the unique blend of spices and oil that was prepared for this very purpose. So whether it's a king or a priest, it was the anointing that really set that person apart. Enabled them to serve shows God just pouring out, pouring out His Spirit upon this one. We read of this idea, this, this pouring, this anointing in Psalm one thirty three. It's used to describe the the blessing and favor of God upon His people as they dwell together. It said it's like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down the collars of his robes. If only the high priest is anointed with this oil set apart for that unique service so the last part of the ordination service is the most extensive to do with the sacrifices three different sacrifices offered by Aaron and his sons you think wait a minute aren't the priests supposed to be the ones offering sacrifices on the part of the people don't they bring the animals sacrifices for them and that's true but it shows that before they could do that, they had to make a sacrifice for themselves. So they're washed, robed, anointed, but something had to be done about their sin. We know it was their, that it actually was their sacrifice because of what we read in verse 10. And you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. And that same thing is repeated in verse 15 and 19 for the sacrifice of the rams. Placing their hands on that animal literally made it their own. Their guilt of their sin is being transferred to that animal, which would die as a substitute. We mentioned last week, verses 10-28 through 28 really bring it home, that the priests were not immune from sin. They needed forgiveness, just like any other person did. So let's see here how needy, through through this ordination, how needy the priests are and the grace of God in providing the sacrifice that set them apart. Here the order of the sacrifices is uh, is important to understand. They need this cleansing from sin, forgiveness, purification before God. And this is done through the bull, given as a sin offering. Um, Something that's worth noting here that The details we find here in chapter 29 were given likely uh, very shortly after or in conjunction with what we find in Leviticus 1-7 through and all the description of those sacrifices. Leviticus 8 talks about the the actual consecration of the priest with this assumed knowledge uh, in mind. Um, Think about these sacrifices. If you're inviting someone over for a summer meal you're going to host someone at your house you're not you know going through the fridge or the pantry saying what do i need to get rid of here what's going bad i'm going to lay that out before my guests before my friend now maybe you have friends where you do do that and you clean out the the fridge together um, but offering making an offering to the king would be very different so you'd give your very best so the very best parts of of the bull are burned separately By the priest. The most prized portion is the Lord's. So once there's forgiveness of sin, this purity, then the priest can offer themselves wholly, completely to the Lord. That was done through that first ram. The whole animal was burned. It's blood thrown against uh, the altar in verses 15-18 through there. Anytime we read of blood being sprinkled or thrown against someone or something... It's setting it apart as holy. Payment has been made. Leviticus 17 reminds us of the significance of the blood. I'll read you this verse For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for life, by the life. So the blood of the second ram, that's that third sacrifice. That's applied to the high priest, high priest, applied to all of his garments. So here's this high priest who's now dripping with oil and with blood. Set apart as holy. A portion of this sacrifice was to be eaten as a shared meal between the priest and the Lord. This is that, that third sacrifice. And they do that right before the entrance of the tent of meeting. So after the forgiveness of sins, offering themselves there is sweet fellowship with the Lord. I'll read just in verse 26 portion of the animal was set aside you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's ordination and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord and it shall be your portion and you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering that is waved and the thigh of the priest's portion that is contributed from the ram of ordination from what was Aaron's and his sons it shall be for Aaron and his sons as a perpetual due for the people of Israel for it's a contribution It shall be a contribution from the people of Israel from their peace offerings or contribution to the Lord. And So this portion of the sacrifice is waved before the Lord. Not not like you wave into a passing car or a friend or something, but these portions are offered to the Lord and received from His hand. Waved before Him, offered up and received uh, from Him. So if God's chosen people are to worship Him, come into His presence... And they need to be holy, or they needed one who could represent them as holy, set apart. And this is what God provides through this ordination. And the Lord is really showing His people here. He's really showing us His heart. That He wants us to be there in worship. He wants us to come into His presence. That He enjoys sweet fellowship with us. So he makes this possible. You see his heart here? All of these, these unique rituals. It's a very heart of God for us. And I think of what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. He says, The church is continually, should be continually giving thanks to God, and that should be increasing. It is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of that truth. This is what God alone makes possible through the mediator, through the high priest. The very next verse says, For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So Jesus is exalted above the heavens. We've read that in Hebrews chapter 7. He's holy. He's innocent. He's unstained by sin. Jesus has no need to cover the shame of sin. The guilt of sin. But as the high priest for his people, he offers a sacrifice. Not multiple sacrifices, one sacrifice for you and for me. Really appreciate the language of, of Dr. J. Square, who says this is instead of a sacrifice for atonement for a sinful life, he makes perfect atonement by his holy life. Offering himself for sinners. The blood of Christ is powerful, friends. We need to to hear this, indescribably more powerful to purify the sinner who looks to Christ in faith as the only mediator. Only this blood can, can move us into that highest state of holiness before our God. Bound to Jesus, we are reconciled. Bound to Christ. We come into His presence, we can worship, we can serve. And so this this story of ordination, each of these stages, shows us just a slightly different angle in our own salvation in Jesus. Jesus Himself is washed. Again, not because He needed to be cleansed from sin, but to identify with His people, with all those He came to save. And so Jesus Himself, thinking of His baptism in the New Testament, in a way is setting Him apart. As the high priest. And so, united to Christ by faith, we are washed. Waters of baptism show us what God does on the inside to cleanse us from our sin. Jesus talked about this as the new birth in John chapter 3 that regeneration, the Spirit of God cleansing us, changing us, renewing us. And even though that regeneration only happens once, where the disposition of our heart is changed, that cleansing continues. It's ongoing. Every time we confess our sin before the Lord, there's a renewal, there's a little washing. If we confess our sins, here's 1 John 1. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we go to Him, we run to the water. We improve upon our washing every time we confess that only the blood of Christ is enough. So we're washed. That's the first part of our salvation story. Like we talked about last week, we're also robed. Robed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. Galatians 3.27 tells us that as many as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. His righteousness, His holiness, credited to us. So God the Father looks Upon us, He sees His Son. So we're washed, we're robed. What's next in the ceremony? The anointing piece. Jesus is anointed. He's anointed by the Holy Spirit. The very power of the Holy Spirit comes upon Him, we read in Acts chapter 10. So we're, we're anointed by that same Spirit. Here's some more from John. 1 John 2. As He's assuring the church. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything, and it is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. So who is our counselor? Who is the one that is teaching us? None other than the Holy Spirit. That indwells us, indwells all who believe. Sets them apart. So finally as a sacrifice. And we know this one. This is the most familiar to us. Jesus our high priest makes that sacrifice of his own flesh and blood. His body broken. His blood shed for us. So it's now our sacrifice. We place our hands upon the sacrifice. Our hands of faith upon Jesus. And so the guilt and shame of our sin is, is imputed to Him. So if you have not placed your hands of of faith, on the sacrifice. And please don't wait another moment to consider this. Some of you think you've done this. You you, you think because life seems to be going relatively smoothly and you're, you're comfortable and relatively safe. You even worked church into the picture somehow. And somehow you believe that that translates... Into your own relationship with the Lord, into a spiritual relationship, that spiritually you're successful and healthy and safe. Brothers, what is safe about this? There's nothing safe here to think that we'll walk into the presence of the Holy One at His return or when we we die, when we are ushered into His presence and say, Well, here I am, Lord, I did my best. I hope it's okay. Nobody's perfect. It's not okay. It will never be good enough. Ever. His character does not allow him to be okay with it. He sent his son to die to be the great high priest because he's not okay with it. By his mercy and grace, it abounds beyond measure. He gave us his son. "When you leave this morning, you will be a dead person walking. You have no eternal hope if you have not placed your hand upon the sacrifice. Look to Christ. Cling to Christ. He is your hope. He is your life. When that, when that gospel, when that explodes in our hearts. It just explodes outside too. It explodes our gratitude to God. We can't, we can't get enough. We just want more of Jesus. We want more of the joy and beauty of knowing Him and being known by Him. So church family, we've been washed, we've been robed. the sacrifice Anointed, the sacrifice has been has been made. Well, what does that make us in light of this passage? It was the consecration of the high priest. It makes us priests in service to the Lord. Apostle Peter, he writes that we're a royal priesthood. And Revelation, given to John, all the chosen of God, come together in that great resurrection day. He says that are priests of God and of Christ. So we've been consecrated. We've been set apart to serve our God with all that we are. The priests surrendered their whole lives, pictured with that, that animal sacrifice, entirely consumed. I'm going to read these verses. verses, uh, Verse 20. The blood touched the ear. They smeared blood on the right ear. And blood on the, the right thumb. And blood on the, the big right toe. And it sounds really weird to us. Showing a place of honor and favor on the part of the priest, but every part of them was consecrated to the Lord. To be used in service. Ears, hands, feet. We're to to hear, listen to the Word of God, respond in obedience. Work of our hands in service to the Lord. Walking faithfully as His ambassadors in this place. We're set apart, saved to serve with our whole selves. So let me ask you, what parts of your life can you surrender more fully to the Lord? I guess in, in one regard, we could say, well, every part of our lives could be surrendered more fully. But try and be specific. Be specific to where you are in this season of life, where God has placed you. It'll come down to you know, priority management. What is we value, commit ourselves to? I mean, we're set apart to, to worship. We, we serve as discipleship through our time in worship, and not just here, also when we're at home with our families. We surrender, we serve by listening well to someone who's hurting, to someone who's confused or in need. We serve by getting to know our neighbors, taking the risk. It's risky. We serve by giving generously of the Lord's provision to those in need and for the work of the church. Think of the people who brought the animal sacrifices and the portions for the priests their portion would come from those sacrifices. We provide for those who minister among the church. As Paul notes on more than one occasion, he says our contributions are a partnership in the gospel. So when we give to the work of the church, we're offering in this way, we are, we are contributing to our own discipleship and the discipleship of those around us. We, see more, we want to see more and more come into the community of the redeemed come to faith in christ we love our fellowship it is so important to be together to meet together we're going to do so in just a few minutes i'm starting to smell the sacrifice maybe like you are Um, and that's important on this wilderness journey but the heart of the gospel is to go that's the heart of the gospel if we are truly astonished by this grace of God to us, then it will move us toward others. We will want nothing more than for one more child, or one more family member, or one more neighbor, or one more coworker to place their hand of faith upon the sacrifice. As we consider our own service, you know, our, our offerings and gifts that the Lord has given, please, please pray for me as your pastor, pray for others in, in leadership. Set apart uniquely in the church. You know, this chapter really reinforces the neediness of the priests. It really reinforces their weakness. Now, sometimes it's easy to put your leaders on that pedestal. They can do no wrong. They've got all the answers. They may not be Jesus, but at least they're a personal Holy Spirit kind of a thing. Um, they're going to be disappointed quickly. Um, who is sufficient to shepherd under Christ his church? So at the same time that you're praying for, uh, praying for your pastor and those who are leading in the church, be praying for yourselves. Um, that in knowing, knowing the sinfulness and the weakness of your leaders, that you would still be able to show that respect and honor that allows them to go about their ministry with joy in the life of the church. So what we read here, the priesthood, it, I just think of the tremendous gift of God that it is to his people. The sacrifices, the place to sacrifice, the, the people to offer the sacrifices, that's all provided by the grace of God. And as a pastor, I'll, I'll never forget that ordination to this specific work in the church. And I pray along with you that we will not forget our consecration. Set apart as priests to the Lord Jesus in faithful service. So just Christ has completely transformed Uh, this priesthood so through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name so it's in union with Christ our great high priest that we truly can serve and worship him forever let's pray Lord God you are holy you Lord have established your throne forever forever So with with the psalmist, our hearts overflow with a pleasing theme. Our tongues, the pen that inscribes, praise to you. You, O God, have anointed us with the oil of of joy and gladness. Our robes are, are fragrant with the favor and the mercy of Jesus. So Lord, be pleased to work your word in us. Establish our steps as a priestly people set apart in service to you in this place. We surrender all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.